0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW proof. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 18 plus. And welcome in, everybody, to Scout's Eye on Football. I am Chris Landry. If you are new to us, uh, welcome. I appreciate you. My name is Chris Landry, I'm veteran NFL scout of 30 plus years in the league, working as an NFL and college coaching and scouting consultant uh, in the world today, and proprietor of LandryFootball.com, where we take you inside the film room and give you a coach and scouting perspective on the game of college football and the NFL. We love talking football with you each and every week. We've got a number of shows available uh, to you as part of um, the Landry Football Network uh, here on Twitch TV. Uh, if you're watching us live, we appreciate you. Join us in the chat room. Give us your comments. Uh, cheer us on a few bits. Let us know if you like what we're doing, what have you. We we want you to become Engaged in a part of this show. Uh, you can also listen to this show via podcast through LandryFootball.com. You listen to it on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Landry Football, uh, YouTube, Facebook, uh, and then at Landry Football is where you can find me on Twitter. Uh, LandryFootball.com is where you, could, again, <clears throat> can get the insights into the game. Yeah, there's some free content, but behind the paywall. And when I say behind the paywall, it's less than ten dollars a month. It's actually less than that if you get it for a year membership. We can take you inside the game of football, the college game, the pro game, giving you the insights from that coaching and scouting perspective. That's unique. So, join us there. This uh, Scouts Eye on Football is brought to you by American Betting Experts. Uh, they uh, bringing you this podcast as well as. Um, working with us at LandryFootball.com. Um, it's real simple. Go to our website, LandryFootball.com. On the upper right side of the page, click on the ad. It says special gaming offers from American betting experts. Pick among the gaming sites legal in your state, such as Bet MGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, and PointsBet. Sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet. From $100 to $1,000, it's that easy. Again, go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page, and get in on the action with a special offer from American betting experts. Also, this podcast brought to you by Manscaped. Support is being brought to you by Manscaped with their men's below-the-waist grooming precision-engineered tools, They have obsessed over the technology developments to prevent you the best tools for your grooming experience. Uh, They've redesigned the electric trimmer, the Manscaped. Their third-generation trimmer featured a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology. The battery is going to last up to 90 minutes and will waterproof. It's got an LED light, and you can get 20% off, plus free shipping with the code LANDRY. Two O. Oh, that's L-A-N-D-R-Y, all caps, the number 2020 20, at manscape.com. We appreciate their involvement. All right, what we're going to get to today is so we normally like to do kind of save a little time for um, some questions that you might have. And we've got um, Rock West Falls sent us uh, a couple of questions. You can send me a question few ways. You can go to LandryFootball.com, hit contact Chris, send me a question via email. You can send a question here in the comment section if you're watching live on Twitch TV. Uh, or you can go on Twitter, and uh, I will address it there as well, uh, at Landry Football. So we can absolutely handle all of those. Uh, reminder, if you're watching us on Twitch TV. If you're not watching us on Twitch TV, check it out. We're live on the scouts. Eye show every Wednesday at 9. AM central. And as a subscriber to the Chris Landry football show, uh, you become Chris Landry football insiders. We'll lean on you to cheer, have fun and participate in the chat room. Um, it's free and you'll get, uh, the, the monthly subscription is taken care of by Amazon prime. So, Um, It's a great opportunity and you'll receive a commercial free experience, which means you're not going to miss a minute of what we do. And um, we appreciate you. You, If you like what we do, as I said, cheers on a few bits. You'll see um, just below the screen where you can do it. So like, for example, um, 200 bits is worth $2. So again, if you like what you're doing and um, we appreciate your participation and your involvement and uh, uh, let us know. So, we had maybe the best game I thought of the season thus far in college football. We're going to get into Clemson, Notre Dame, but what the uh, what it really means? I'm going to get into Georgia's problems and how does Kirby Smart fix it? And eventually time permitting and sometimes it's difficult. but you've got a Georgia, you've got a Tennessee, you've got a Michigan, you've got a Florida State. Um, you've got you've got the Jets in the NFL. You've got the Falcons, which we've talked about before. Um, You know, you know South Carolina. I mean, there are a lot of places that have issues. How do you deal with it? Um, We've had a lot of questions, so I've kind of combined instead of nine questions worded uh, slightly differently about the same thing. I'm going to get into, as people know, I'm very involved in the coaching search process. So we're going to get into kind of how how you need to fix some of these things. It's one thing to say it's broken. It's one thing to say, you know, um, this team really sucks. This program's really bad. They're not very good. Well, doesn't take much for that. I think the key is to be able to come up with solutions. Now, I, I know that everyone's willing to give their solutions and their opinions. And listen, everybody has a right to an opinion. Certainly, welcome it. What I try to do, and I have to be careful. I get, I get, I admit this is a big flaw of mine. You know, there's a lot more. It's, I would imagine it's like somebody who is a mechanic or an attorney or a a CPA, they have a lot more experience and knowledge on the topic. And yet, you know, people will constantly want to say, well, I think this, and well, based upon your knowledge, that may make some sense, but you're not as informed, nor do you really understand enough about what's going on. And I always say an opinion, it's free. Anyone can have it. But I think the value of an opinion is relative to the credentials behind it. It's why I tried to limit myself. To what I know and what I do and not get into politics, not get into uh, other things, even other sports that I follow closely, but I don't work in. I work in football seven days a week, and I do it all year round. If it's Christmas, it's July 4th. I'm involved in some work in way, shape or form with football, coaching, scouting, player evaluation, um, advanced scouting helping with the evaluation of a staff, a lot of things that I get involved with. So there's, there are ways to go about looking and evaluating. And I think one of the things that you have to do is you have to be objective. Fans are too emotional about their program or another program that they may love or hate or maybe ambivalent. You've got to have the passion, but you have to have an objective view to where you're looking at it. It's why, you know, some people, and I know I don't want to compare this the same, but you know, they always say doctors don't like to operate on members of their family. It's too emotional. Maybe, and I don't know this, maybe attorneys have a hard time being the lead counsel with a family member. Maybe it's too emotional. I, You know, Oftentimes, when you make these decisions, you have a view that's very myopic and not uh, of the ilk to be able to understand all the parameters and maybe hear some things that you need to hear, but maybe you don't want to hear. And so as you look around things, I think you can also overreact to a moment. I think you can have a situation that's having some success and you feel that it needs to be tweaked when it needs to be maybe overhauled in one area. But then there's a lot of the complete negativity that goes on that's utterly ridiculous that this has got to change. This guy will never do it. This will never happen. Yada, yada, yada. And all of that is is very often way off the mark. And they're different People try to take situations and try to make them the same. Well, they did this. This is what we should do. It's not the same situation. Okay. You can't, it's not a one size fit all. You have to identify the problem first before you can correct it. And again, most people don't know why things are not working. They know it's not working because the results say so. But again, the results are not what matters. What matters is what creates the result because you can't fix a result. You have to go about fix the process so that future results can be changed in a positive vein for you. So as you go through the process of evaluating, you have to look at it. I want to take a couple of them. And again, I I can't get to all of them now. Rather and I'm long winded. It's a fault of mine, but I like to be thorough. It's the background is what you do in coaching meetings and scouting meetings. You're thorough. You study it. And based upon that, you know, you're you're not worried about hitting a break. And, and so I'd rather get to less and then get to the others more. So I'm going to get through this I feel comfortable with getting the information. The biggest story of the weekend In games, well, Notre Dame beating Clemson was big. But in terms of statements, in terms of maybe direction of programs, was the Florida-Georgia game, and particularly as it relates to Georgia. And what does it mean for Georgia? Is it a changing of the guard? Is it now Florida's going to be the king of the east of the SEC, and it's no longer Georgia? Answer to that is, well, Chris, is it, is it going to The answer to that is, depends. You know, it's like a coach of mine told me once you'd sit there and, and it's a guy that I ended up, I played for and then ended up coaching for. And he always had a saying, he says, okay, yeah, yeah, now what? So the point being, and I learned it is, Went out really, coach boy. Really, such you see that I was able to diagnose both the route concepts, was able to make a play on the ball. Yeah, that's good. Not now what? The point was, is great. We all can admire hey, good play call, good game plan, good game, good recruiting class, good season, whatever. Now, what? So much of what happens in life is reflected in football. Great salesman has a great quarter. Man made a lot of money and kind of living off that. Maybe not motivated. Holidays are coming up. I know this is a bad example because nothing's good right now in the economic world we live in. I get that. But, you know, you'll have that. I'm not motivated. I, you know, I kind of make, I, I'm going to coast a little bit a student, man. I made all A's. I'm in midterm. I'm coasting. I don't have to work as hard there. Maybe I can relax a little bit. And even if I struggle, I'm sure to get a at least a B. I mean, you, you got a lot of different ways that you can go. But the whole key is how do you attack an issue going forward? How do you assess the problem? How do you get better with it? And one of the things that I wanted to address with Georgia, there's obviously tremendous frustration about where Georgia is, where Georgia is not, um, where they go from here. Um, there the answer is where they go from here. It depends upon the path they want to take. So the reality is that Georgia struggled for quite some time on offense, but yet they've had enough success and have been close enough. Let's look at what Georgia has done under Kirby. They've built a program that went all the way to the national championship game and had a very good Alabama team practically beat until Alabama beat them at the end. Georgia continue winning the East. Another shot at Bama. Probably, you know, outplayed them. The next time is well was not able to get it done. Well, the assumption is it's this play call, it's that play call, it's you know, everybody looks and says, you know, this is the reason, that's the reason. And very often they're inaccurate with it, but there's they theorize. Well, if you're having enough success, there's a tendency to obviously look at what you're doing well. It's really important to always study what you're doing. That's a big part of the quality control programs. What are you doing that's working? Knowing what you're doing that's working is important, just as important as knowing what's not working. Georgia's recruited well. They have a great culture of toughness. They build and develop well on defense but they don't play complimentary football. Now their plan and Kirby's plan all along was to have a really dominant run game and control the game and run play action off of it. Had some success, had some success with Jake Fromm. there's a belief in that type of system, or there has been a belief in that type of system by Kirby. That'll work. That fits us. That's our identity. That's what's going to take us to where we want to go. And it's taken them on the cusp of where they want to go. But what we have seen or what he needs to see now is that as close as he was, he's now getting further away from it. Because while he may have a really good vision of his program and his team and what he wants to be, the game of football is gradually going towards to benefit the rule changes in the advantages from a rule standpoint to the offenses. If you can't score points, you're going to have a hard time achieving your goals. You can only be so good. And what George has found themselves in this situation. And I do think there was a concerted effort to try to do some things differently on offense. They, they, Hire Todd Munkin, who's had some success. Um, Is he the answer? Time will tell. Again, he's got to be allowed to do it. And quote-unquote, got to have the quarterback. Everyone will say, I got the issue. I got the problem. Should have kept Justin Fields. Folks, Justin Fields wouldn't be doing at Georgia what he's doing at Ohio State. It's not as simple as just the players. I did a podcast last week about players versus coaches, and it's not players versus coaches. It's looking at the collaborative effort. The reason why players leave at quarterback position normally is because they want playing time. And if they don't get the job, they leave, you know, um, I'm starting or I'm departing is kind of the, the, the word of the day, but you have to have the ability to develop and, Work the passing game. That's what quarterbacks want to see today. It's what receivers want to see today. And it's not just you've got to throw the ball more. It's how you throw it, how effective you throw it, how you teach it, how you emphasize it. I think you can win being a good run team and a good play action team. You don't have to change your offense to RPOs and this and that. You can do things. That can, in modification, allow you to be successful in a four-minute offense, in a two-minute offense. You've got to have an ability to do both in today's football. If you can't rush the passer, if you can't defend the run, if you can't cover, people are going to expose you at the highest level. Maybe not week in and week out in college, but at the highest level. On offense, if you can't run the football, you're going to be a you're going to be problematic. If you can't throw the football well enough, what happens when you have to throw it? You're going to have trouble. What happens when you have to score quick? If you can't do it, you're going to struggle. Just like water seeks its level, people will expose you. So there are different ways to do that. You don't need to change your offense. What you need to do is you need to modify it. I mean, you can change it or you can modify it and you've got to work it, develop it, and install it, and really begin to sell it with players that can see that they can thrive in that type of an offense and have success and how they can go forward. Because look, it used to be, come here, run a pro-style offense and we're going to get you better prepared for the NFL. Well, now pro-style offenses have a lot of outside the pocket, some RPO concepts, not completely, but some of that stuff is mixed in. So the best thing to do in my mind, in my assessment and helping coaches, is to modify a lot of what you do. Now, you're limited in college with a 20-hour work week. So you can't be all things to all people and all sorts of players. But I think there are concepts that you can do off-play action with a mobile quarterback, boots and waggles and you know, get some high-low reads, get some layered passing games that can have success to basically force people outside the box so that you then can go back and run the football. But if you can't score points, you're not going to reach the highest level. And I think with Georgia, it's a chicken-egg thing. Well, I mean, you know, you had some really highly recruited quarterbacks, Justin Fields being one, that left cause they weren't going to get the opportunity to play or even weren't going to get the opportunity to start. They didn't ask Justin Fields to lead, he decided to lead. Um he's going to and went to an offense that is very much oriented towards a lot of the RPO concepts with some dropback stuff as well and it's a very modernized well orchestrated uh, uh, orchestrated offense that's having success. Georgia has got a reputation and it's starting to affect them in recruiting and remember recruiting doesn't stop when a player goes to a school now there's recruiting kids on a campus to leave and come somewhere else you know there's this talk about Jamie Newman he left he was beaten out that's the narrative from the Georgia media and the Georgia fans right Folks, if you use common sense, how could anybody have beaten out anybody else? There was no spring practice. JT Daniels. I mean, there's no fall practice. I mean, he left uh, before that. There was not enough reps for anybody to beat anybody else. So that whole thing is, well, he was struggling to pick up the offense. Okay. Makes you feel better. That's fine. It's not true. True. why did Jamie Newman leave? Well, Jamie Newman left because a lot of people got in his ear. Okay. And I personally don't like the fact that he left. I think he could have helped himself a great deal this year. And I think he could have maybe made a difference for Georgia, but made a difference to show what he could have done the college level. But he was convinced by people the longer he was there. That look, this is you're probably better off working with a quarterback coach. And if you go and you're in an offense that doesn't provide great productivity in the passing game, it's only going to hurt you. Again, I don't agree with that, but that's what he kind of bought into. And so they use a lot of the COVID cover and all that and this. And I don't want to, do, you know, that was kind of the, but the whole he got beaten out is ridiculous again. It's in theory, it could be if you had a spring and he left at the end of, um, you know, beginning of, you know, he ended, if he left at the end of September, you know, it's one thing he left earlier than that. And so maybe there was personality issues. Don't know that. I don't know that was enough to, to leave, but the real issue with Georgia now, is now what? So what do they do? How do they go about fixing it? See, I don't think the doom and gloom is falling is dumb. I don't think the Georgia program is broken. I think the the Georgia program is an elite one that's got a facet of it that's broken that can be fixed. It's a it's a brand new Mercedes that's got a part that needs to be replaced and if they don't replace it then you got maybe leads to other problems and that's a it's going to be an issue and it's up to Kirby to fix it know how to fix it and put the items in place to make it work and to fix it you've got to have guys that can compete you got to have guys that are buying into the program and that's hard today at the quarterback position and you've got to find a way to develop and maybe get guys reps and play guys and, you know, sell that buy-in. Those things are really important, but you've got to be able to, to fortify that with your ability to teach, have guys that can teach the modern game of football, not so that they can stick around, but so that you can have more success with your offense in games at the highest level so that you can do more so that you're not bereft of we're down in the game. I, Broke it down and talked about it last week on the different platforms. Look, if Georgia can control this game at the line of scrimmage, if their defense can hold up enough, maybe they can win a close game. But if this is a decisive win, it ain't going to be Georgia blowing out Florida. It's going to be Florida blowing out Georgia. Because once Florida gets a lead, then Georgia has to abandon the run. Once you abandon the run, that's it. It's not going to happen. It didn't happen for the. Buccaneers when they were down 21 points to the Saints they abandon the run because you you can't run it anymore because you're too far behind the ability to be able to throw it when you have to is important. The ability to be able to run the football when you have to the ability to be able to defend the run when you have to the ability to be able to rise the pasture when you have to. Not just when you want to. You want to run it and throw it when you want to. You want to dictate. But there are times when you're going to have to do something. And you have to be able to do it. And I think that is the key. Can Kirby fix it? Yes. Is it fixable? Yes. Will they fix it? Don't know. Appreciate your questions. Um, Todd says, couldn't Georgia have adjusted their offense for a player like Fields? Like Alabama has done for Hurts? To Yeah. But they had from And from was playing well. from had taken to a national championship game. Yeah, they could have. Would have needed to change the offense. No doubt. Didn't want to. And to Kirby's defense, they were having success the way they were doing. It. Not winning a championship, but they the fact that they lost on the last play is not an indication that they weren't getting it done. They were pretty effective offensively, but even over the past few years, you've seen the offenses change, and now in retrospect, oh, could they have changed? with? The, you don't tinker and adjust the offense. You have to run an offense for Justin Fields. And so Justin Fields would not have been a good at Georgia. Because they would not have done, at least to this point, they would not have done what needs to be done for Justin Fields to have success. I mean, could you? Yes. Would they have done it? Would Kirby have done it? No. Will Kirby do that going forward? Not with Justin Fields, but with another quarterback? We'll see. We'll see how they do it. Um, Alabama, you must remember, changed the offense before Tua got there. They didn't change the offense for Tua. Okay. They didn't change the offense for Hertz. Hertz didn't run. Hertz was a guy that was more along the lines of what they had done with Blake Sims. Hertz was just better. They decided to change the offense and then recruit the players to fit that and then teach that going forward. So, there's an under got to understand that that basically they went the design to do that. Well, Georgia hasn't done that and hadn't been willing to do that. Going forward, maybe they will. There's an issue going on at Tennessee, which is a lot different because it's it's not as good, and the problems are different. Yet there's some similarities. Jeremy Pruitt wants to build a program a lot like Kirby Smart, want to run the football, play good defense, and kind of marginalize the offense, but there are bigger issues at Tennessee. Um, The inability to hire well on the staff, staff management are all things that Jeremy struggled with, continues to struggle with. And that is what's important. It's one thing to sit there and predict whether a guy's going to be successful. Is Kirby going to get it fixed? Don't know. I'm telling you what needs to happen. We'll see not only the commitment to do it, but how effective they are doing it. You can sit there and say, we need to throw it more. We need to modernize the offense. You go ahead and get the people to do it, and you don't do it well, it won't work, but it doesn't mean that the idea is not a good one. You've got to execute the idea. Good play calls are only part of it. You can have a good play call, but if you don't execute the play call, to the outside eye, it's going to look like a bad play call. I've made plenty of bad play calls that end up look great call coach. And it's like, oh my God, you wanted to change it. It's too late. Somebody made a play and that happens. You have to execute, not just make a decision on how you're going to do it. So what is going to be done at Tennessee? Jeremy Pruitt's going to be back next year, but he's going to be under a big time hot seat and he's going to have to make some changes and it's going to have to work. And there's no guarantee that it will. And he's going to have to do a better job of being a head coach. Jeremy has a lot of the qualities. I always tell folks, how do you know this guy's a coordinator and he's a good head coach? This guy's a coordinator. He's a bad head coach. How do you know? This guy's a really good player. Comes a really good pro player. This guy's not a really good player. Comes a good pro player. This guy's a really good player. He doesn't become a good pro What's the difference? I don't get it. It's not about the production. It's the transferable skills. It's no different than coaches. Some coaches have the skills of being a good assistant. Some don't do as good of a job once they get in that head coaching position, because they still operate with a head assistant coaching mindset. Just because you're a really good assistant coach doesn't guarantee you that you're going to be a good head coach. Now, everybody has to come from that ranks though, because the best chance of getting a feel for being a head coach without being one is to go through the coordinator ranks because you're coaching half the team. But, again, what are your skill sets? What's your ability to evaluate and hire coaches? What's your ability to coach the coaches? What's your ability to communicate? If you're antagonistic and you lose the respect of your coaching staff, you're going to have a hard time. And so the problems at Tennessee are more big picture. He's got to fix that. He's got to solidify that. You know, look, their recruiting has been good, but they got to finish. It's going to be a pivotal year next year. Now you got a situation at Florida State that's completely different. And this is; these are tough. You come into a program where there's a lot of malcontents. There are a lot of problems, bad culture that needs to be fixed. Well, the fan says, "Clean them all out." Sounds good. Here's the problem you clean out all the problems in a place like Florida State that that is as bad as they are you probably got 15 players left. can't have a team. The thing you do is what I think Mike Novell has done. you give those guys a chance to grow to buy in and then gradually you weed them out if they don't buy in. Well you could see it in this past off season there was a lot of non-buy-in. There was a lot of locker room lawyers and still are. You begin to have your program in the culture that you want it when your players begin to police the locker room for you when you're not there. And they're in a situation that's pretty bad. And it's not just, well, this quarterback and that quarterback and this missing piece. It's bigger picture. It's about getting players that will buy in on the roster, moving on from the ones that are not at the end of the year and replacing them. And it's going to take time. It is been a dysfunctional program. Um, the biggest problem was not the last year of Jimbo Fisher. That was a part of a problem, but that could have been rectified pretty easily, but, the two-year stint or the year-and-a-half stint, two years with Willie Taggart was enough to rot a program back so bad. In fact, the one year that Willie Taggart was at Oregon caused problems. That because it was only one year, they're grateful at Oregon because Mario Cristobal, who's on the staff, was able to fix it. And that was pretty quick fix but it hadn't gotten so bad. It hadn't metastasized yet. It did at Florida state boy did and whether Mike can fix it or not remains to be seen. But I think if he at least gradually changes the culture that takes time and you can't run everybody off or you got nobody left. Um, South Carolina is an intriguing situation. It's a situation where, you know, Will Mushtamp is not going to be the answer. He's somebody that is um, a good guy. Hasn't worked. He's been there seven years, but it costs money to replace him. I've said it before. Making a run at a Hugh Freeze makes a whole lot of sense and it's a really good fit. Whether they're willing to do it, whether they will do it, don't know. But I think those things need to be looked at, need to be investigated internally to see if you can do it. I think you make a change with the idea of what you can accomplish with that change. I think you need to do your homework. Those things are really, really important. Now, you got situations like at Michigan. That's another situation where it's one of their own, somebody they don't want to part ways with but have to. I think you're already hearing it. Jim Harbaugh, his camp is already floating his name out to, hey, maybe he's a better fit in the NFL. Maybe it would be, you know, he's the answer to fix the culture issues in Chicago, and maybe we can surround him with the staff that could, you know, you're hearing all that. So those things are all political in base that needs to be handled. But at the end of the day, you've got to make the right decisions in a, in environments where you've got to be able to change. Why is Jim Harbaugh not successful at Michigan? Well, why was he successful at Stanford in San Francisco? Good staff hires. Vic Fangio, Greg Roman among others. David Shaw hasn't hired as well at Michigan. Why hasn't he hired as well? Has he lost his touch? Oh, same thing as when you pick players. Sometimes you hit them, sometimes you don't. And if you're a head coach that is reliant upon hitting on both coordinators and staffs underneath them, if you're not a great football guy and you don't hire really good coordinators, it usually leads to maybe some ineffective hires on that side of the ball of position coaches. If you hire well, then sometimes those decisions underneath can be much more effective, um, and we just we've seen them not be as successful. That's why when you have a head coach that's a really good X's and O guy, if you're NM and you got Jimbo Fisher, you know the offensive side of the ball, you know how that's going to look, and that's taken care of. Now you got to go out and hire the complementary defensive coordinator and let them go, and they did that with with Mike Elko, and it's been great. Losing, you got to go out and find somebody comparable. But a guy that can coach the coaches and be a really good X's and O guy himself is an advantage because he can be more involved in coaching the coaches and setting the stage. If you're a guy that's more of a facilitator, you got to facilitate. You got to hit, and if you miss, it's going to set your program back, and that's the biggest problem that we've seen in Michigan with Jim Harbaugh. Um you know if you're in a situation where you've got an opening it gives you an opportunity to do the legwork to maybe interview people that are not currently committed somewhere maybe it's people that you want to pick their brain you got a lot of time there's no excuse um uh, if you're the Atlanta Falcons right now in the NFL there's no excuse to not get this general manager and head coach Higher right, whatever combination, because they've got plenty of time to do it. And if you don't do it well, it's on you. Because you've got the time to facilitate, to find out everything that needs to be uncovered about any candidate, and then move forward with all right, here's who I want to talk to and go with it from there. Uh if you're the Jets, the Jets are going to be in a situation where they're going to go out and they're going to find the guy that's going to be the good fit to coach Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, whoever they want, and that's going to be the sell part to the player because that decision is going to be made, obviously, before the pick. want to get to a couple of questions and get to some on-field thoughts as well. Um, let's see here. Rock ass on Twitter, "I'm totally convinced something happened to Harbaugh after the loss to Ohio State in '16. Seems like a serious medical issue. It has never been the same since. Um, there's, there's nothing medically wrong with him that that I'm. Yeah, I mean, there's, that's not that. Jim is quirky. The issue is that Ohio State's just got better and better and more explosive, and Michigan is not." They've had good players, but they haven't modified their offense and they can't score enough points. They don't have enough consistency. Um, Rock asks, why is he botching assistant hires at Michigan? There's no answer to that. I mean, you know, a lot of it is when, you know, when he had good coordinators um, at Stanford, then – they really help with some of the assistant hires. It just, he doesn't go out with the idea it's not going to work. I think part of it is he's not be, been willing to go out and hire somebody yet. You know, he goes out and hired Josh Gaddis. and Josh Gaddis is known for the RPO game and the tempo game yet. You know, it's not been something that's been fully embraced and it's, we'll let you do a little bit of that. If it doesn't work. We're going to go back and they're kind of half in and half out. So a lot of it is, just Jim's involvement that's made some of the coaching hires be poor, and some of it is some of the coaching hires have looked worse because of his involvement once they've gotten there. Um, Rock as tell us everything you know about Woody Johnson, the owner of the Jets. Why did the hoodie not want to work for him? What type of owner is she? uh Well, Woody Johnson wasn't the owner when Bill Belichick left. There was no owner. Leon Hess had passed, and there were three ownership candidates. Woody Johnson was one, and Bill didn't know any of the three. So Belichick did not want to work for somebody he wasn't comfortable with or didn't know. And he was, I mean, I can tell you this, that if Leon Hess was years younger, uh, he would have stayed with the Jets. He loved Leon Hess, as did Parcells, but it was the unknown. And he had the relationship with Kraft when he was an assistant for Bel- for Parcells in New England. So it was simply a case of an owner he didn't know. And, and again, Woody wasn't the owner, but he was one of three potential owners. He didn't know any of the three. And so the uncertainty there, he just, you know, he wasn't, you know, if, if, if he, if Woody was the owner and Woody and he had gotten to know one another, uh, who knows, it might've been different. He didn't know him and he did know craft. Simple as that, uh, rock as I believe full-blown Neanderthal ball can still work emphasis on massive offensive line, ball control, smash mother, something few teams do. Nobody recruits for it or prepare for it, leaves a potential opening, Wisconsin comes closest to it. First of all, you don't – it's hard to recruit to it. A, people don't want to play that ball. In high school, they don't play that ball. You say Wisconsin does it. Wisconsin doesn't recruit it. What Wisconsin does is develop. I think developmental programs can do that. You take guys, you develop them, and you do what you want, but Wisconsin's got a ceiling. I mean, Wisconsin is good, but Wisconsin is no – National caliber threat. If you're Georgia, you can play Neanderthal ball better than Wisconsin can. In fact, they do. It's just you don't see it because when they play against an explosive offense like Florida, an explosive offense like Alabama, they get exposed. So it's okay to do it at Wisconsin, at Iowa, at Northwestern, at places where they have done it and they have done it well but there's not the expectation of winning a national championship at those places and a lot easier to do in the big 10. You notice those teams don't fare well against Ohio state. Ohio state's the only team in the big 10 that looks like the upper level teams in the sec. So you can do it, but it depends upon where you speak of and who you're talking about. So, um, the best offensive linemen are more athletic guys or, you know, you're, you're running a system in high school. Yeah, it's difficult, but you can take guys, you can recruit them. You can do that. Um, you know, you can make the case that Nebraska could do that, but they're at Nebraska. They don't want to be like Wisconsin. They want to be better. And yet they're not even as good. Because their goal is to be more like Ohio State, but they don't recruit like Ohio State. They want to be more like you know Alabama and Clemson, and they don't recruit like that. They're trying to work to that style. They don't have the defensive talent, and they don't have the explosive playmaking ability, and they haven't really found and developed the quarterback enough. But anyway, to your point, yes, you can run power football. Yes, you can do that. And yes, it could be a different look. Provided that's what you want to do. That's what your identity will be. And you can be successful to it to a point. That's what Brett Bielema did at Wisconsin with success. Then he goes to Arkansas and he doesn't have success. Oh, he had success to a point in terms of being competitive. But then all of a sudden he got punched in the mouth with people that were bigger, stronger, just as big and strong and were faster. And he got run out of the league. So it's, different doing it in the Big Ten as opposed to doing it in the SEC. All right. Uh, Greg says, Hi, Greg. Uh, Appreciate you. Hey, Chris, things aren't working out at South Carolina for Will Muschamp. What do you think is the reason the reason Muschamp didn't succeed as a head coach? He's a great defense coordinator at multiple stops, but ultimately has failed as a head coach. Um, I think he's done a good job as a defense coordinator in most places he's been. Auburn. I thought he was pretty good at Texas. He has been pretty good. Um, He fits the, and I think he's a good recruiter. And I think he's had some success putting some good talent there, but the biggest thing, go back to it. There's symmetry here. Look at his offensive staff hires. Look at the offense. He's not consistently be able to run the football. He's not consistently being able to have enough explosive playmakers on offense. Um, A lot of it, goes to the offensive side. People will look and say, but, but Jay, he's played great defense. Well, no, he's played pretty good defense when the offense could compliment him. But when, you know, you get down in games, your offense, you know, your defense may play well for stretches, but then when you get down, you know, you're, you're too much on the field and you get exposed. The biggest problem that a lot of these guys have, and I don't want to throw everybody in the lump, but I'm going to say it again. It's not just talk. The ability to play complimentary ball, the ability to do a multitude of things. Will hasn't been able to do that. A lot of what happens with hiring coaches is you got to have stability. But in order to have stability, you've got to hire well. You can't have stability if you make bad hires. If you make bad hires, you got to get rid of the bad hires and try again. You got instability. That's a formula for disaster, not bad, just really bad. Now some programs could sustain it with recruiting to a certain level, but they drop off a great deal. So the ability to do that, the ability to hire well and evaluate and have a plan, and modify it, and have a vision of the big picture. A lot of these guys don't have it. A lot of the defensive guys come from the background that we want to run it, want to play the strength of the defense. We don't want to be wide open. We Nick comes from Saban comes from the defensive side, but he understands that offense is important. His lieutenants, Pruitt, Kirby, Muschamp, hadn't figured that out. And and I think partially they figured it out, but haven't been able to implement it correctly. And therefore they tend to back off and say, well, that doesn't work. Well, it's not that it doesn't work. It just, you didn't execute it well enough. And so those are the things that lead to problems. Cause you know, when you have problems, you change your staff. Um, those things I think are really important to get right. Cause that creates stability. And then and when you have success, You're going to lose guys, but again, if you put that foundation together and you're a good head coach, you bring in guys that fit your system and your program, and then it's a lot easier to move guys in and out. Saban replaces guys all the time, but he has a plan in place. Those things are really pivotal. Um, I think when it doesn't work, you have to go out and you got to try something different. There's always the threat of when you bring somebody else in, it'll look different, won't necessarily be any more effective. Um, Look, at South Carolina, you're not going to win conference championships there. But I think he can be competitive. I think he can be better. I think he can be more consistent than Will has. And the lack of consistency is due to the fact that he hadn't quite figured out how to build offenses that for a defensive guy. Now, look, you can be, let's go out and hire offensive guys. That's fine. You better know how to play defense to complement it. Lincoln Riley, you know, to me, focuses more on being a coordinator than being a head coach, and that limits Oklahoma on the defensive side, much like it limits Georgia on the offensive side. So the ability to be a good head coach, Kirby Smart was a great defense coordinator. Lincoln Riley's a good play caller and a good offensive coordinator. And Lincoln Riley, look, he's been to the playoffs, but he's been to the playoffs because he's been the best of the Big 12, not because he's national championship caliber. And Oklahoma has the resources to do it, but they fall fallen short because of those reasons. It's not an easy fix. It's being a head coach is different than being a coordinator, being a good coordinator is. Doesn't guarantee you that you're going to be a good head coach, but I think being a good coordinator is a certainly good training ground, but the transferable skills, the leadership, the ability to put together staff, the ability to identify what it needs to look like and how you need to get it there and have enough of an ego to believe in it, but not so much of an ego out of control that you're not willing to give an opportunity. So I think it's really, really important to understand that. Uh, Thanks again. I want to tell you once again about American betting experts, bringing you this podcast. Um, One of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the United States. Uh, Go to our website, LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page. Pick among the gaming sites legal in your state, such as BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, PointsBet, sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. Again, go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page, and get in on the action with a special offer from American betting experts. We're going to get to uh, some look ahead to this week in football in a second. Also want to tell you about our great friends at Manscaped, and support for the Landry Football Network is brought to you by Manscaped. Uh, They've got the redesigned electric trimmer, the Manscaped third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology so you can take a longer shave. It's waterproof. It's got an LED light. Uh, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code LANDRY. That's capital L-A-N-D-R-Y 20. That's L-A-N-D-R-Y 2 and we appreciate them both. If you are not listening watching us on Twitch live, we encourage you to do so. Go to twitch.tv forward slash Chris Landry football, uh, and check us out there. Um, you can chat with us in the room there and we will, uh, we will take your questions and that uh, cheers on cheers on a few bits. If you appreciate us, um, go to again, twitch.tv forward slash Chris Landry football this week. As we take a look, um, we've got a depleted action in the SEC this weekend. The interesting games around the country, and it's kind of taken the weekend and it's a dog weekend in college football. Let's just call it like it is. Um, Notre Dame-Boston College is kind of center stage uh, because of seeing how Notre Dame responds. Notre Dame could take themselves right out of things like they did in 93. But that's intriguing to see how they respond. Ohio State, Maryland. I mean, what can Maryland do against Ohio State? Probably not a whole lot. Um, we've lost Auburn, Mississippi State. We've lost a Tennessee. We've lost Alabama, LSU. Um, you know, Arkansas, Florida has some intrigue. Wisconsin, Michigan, curious to see if that gets off. Um, Georgia, Missouri, looks like it's going to go on nothing definite. Penn State, Nebraska, something's got to give there to teams that are struggling big time. Want to get a good look at that uh, as well. Over in the NFL, um, it's starting to get interesting and looking at kind of the breakdown of the film work of this past week to kind of see how guys – stack up in how the film grade looks. I'm looking at Buffalo, Arizona as one of the intriguing games of the year. Buffalo played very well last week against Seattle. Um, They've got the Cardinals on the road, an explosive team. Got Miami um, at home against the Chargers. This AFC East now is looking very much like a Buffalo-Miami situation. I'm curious to see how this plays out. Seattle, the Rams... Uh, see if the Seahawks rebound, defensive issues, still a problem there. Curious to see what the Rams are able to do. The, the Niners go to New Orleans. The New Orleans, uh, with the Niners situation injury-wise, should be able to take care of business. Keep an eye out on Cincinnati-Pittsburgh with the status. Big Ben likely not doing on being on the COVID list. We'll see how that plays out. That's really interesting as well. Minnesota-Chicago, Vikings are playing better. The Bears are not playing worse. Uh, Baltimore-New England, Sunday night. Tampa-Carolina, also interesting, a reminder that we've got all the film room breakdowns of all these games. The NFL games, the college games, we got it for you. If you're not yet a member of LandryFootball.com, you've got a chance to get, um, for less than $10 a month, insights into the pro and college game from inside the film room, from a coaching and scouting perspective. So check it out there. Uh, Also, it's less than $10 a month if you take advantage of the year membership. So get all the film room breakdowns, uh, all the college game, the programs. What we do is we tell you, uh, we recap the games inside the film room, tell you what happened, why it happened. um, And we give you a good feel for things, how the players graded out, what have you. And then we preview the games in the same vein, we, uh, take it, uh, from a standpoint of what to look for, what are the key matchups and how the players have graded out to this point in the season, a reminder, check out all our great programming over at twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football, Chuck Oliver shows coming up in an hour, two hours of great college football talk, uh, tomorrow morning, um, um you can, um, listen to Miller and Moulton in the morning. You can listen to me as I get to the Landry Football Podcast. We're going to get into some more um, uh, football talk, more theoretical football talk, and we'll uh, get into that on the Landry Football Podcast, and that'll be followed by the Big 12 Show with the guys and then Chuck Oliver again. So check out the Chris Landry Twitch channel. You can hit follow Chris on Twitch from LandryFootball.com, and you can get football program all throughout the day and evening great sports talk program that we have for you. We appreciate you joining us. We'll talk to you in the morning on the Landry football podcast, but for now this has been Scout's Eye on College of Pro Football, the NFL scout Chris Landry and I'll be back with you again next week. Talk more football. Send me your questions. Send me your comments. That's what we're here for. Try to provide the information and the analysis to you. Appreciate you joining us. Have a great one everybody.